the Professionally Speaking Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan J. Warner, and with me today is another special guest. We have Dr. Leanne Taylor-Knight. Dr. Knight, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm honored to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Ryan. Welcome, listeners. <laughs> We're so excited to have you. I know the energy is just just booming right now. It's probably erupting through your speakers wherever you're listening from. So before I get too far ahead of myself, let me just lay it out here. We'll ask the, the opening question. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and what your day-to-day is like? Sure, Ryan. I am honored to serve as the Executive Director and Chief Operating Officer of the DeBruce Foundation. I have the privilege of leading a very innovative and passionate team as we help people build empowered careers. Wow, that was a pretty good response. (laughs) We're located in Kansas City, but we're a national foundation that has been around for about 30 years where Mr. DeBruce has been a successful entrepreneur and giving back to the community. And we are committed to expanding career pathways to economic growth and opportunity now. We're definitely going to dig into that. But with regard to the DeBruce Foundation, like, have you been there for a long time or have you always been the executive director? What's that transition like? Oh, well, I have a career journey that's similar to yours, Ryan, and probably similar to some of your listeners, which is I started in one industry of education as a teacher and then a high school principal and superintendent. Then I pivoted into higher education and did some um, research related to how to improve instruction and research with schools, anything from preschool to college age and just attainment of degrees. But I've always been committed to doing that work to actually help people in their career trajectories. And so then another pivot into the philanthropy world is what brought me to the DeBruce Foundation. So basically, somebody gave me the keys to this car and philanthropy, and I'm not sure that I have a driver's license. So I'm not sure that I'm even supposed to be doing this, but it's been a really fun career journey. And I know that a lot of your listeners care about their own career journeys and learning from those of others. So I've had an interesting wild roller coaster of one. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And let's just on that last pivot that you mentioned, when you went into the philanthropy and the nonprofit, how did that come up on your radar? What did someone mention it to you? Or had you had your eye on it for a while? What was that like? Oh, that is so interesting that you asked that because one of the things that we talk about advancing one's career journey is all about the network. And so I was working in a not-for-profit that was doing research to inform educational practices and on policy. And they, a person in my network who was not in that industry saw an advertisement that the DeBruce Foundation was looking for researchers who could do work in the area of education. And they flew it to me and they said, hey, this sounds like the nonprofit that you use could help this foundation. And that is how I learned first about the DeBruce Foundation and that Mr. DeBruce at that time was thinking about how to have impact over the decades to come. And so I literally, Ryan, from that cold lead, I picked up the phone, called the DeBruce Foundation, said, hey, it looks like you're trying to hire people who do this kind of work. Our not-for-profit has researchers from four different research one institutions that are doing this kind of work. Could we be of service to you? 
And the next thing I knew, I was in the offices of the DeBruce Foundation talking about the work that we were doing and how we might be able to help them. But it really turned into then an interest of how I personally might be able to be engaged with the work at the DeBruce Foundation. So that's one of those Never be afraid to make that call. Never be afraid to run down something that someone in your network shares with you because you probably have a really legitimate connection and could be value add in a situation, either personally or professionally. Yeah, that is a great example of it. I'm I'm impressed that that actually happened. I mean, you hear about these things in like a movie or, or a tall tale, but that it actually happened. It gives, I think it gives a lot of hope to people. So keep pulling at those strings. Absolutely. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen if someone stops and thinks about the worst thing that could happen if they reach out on LinkedIn or by email or by phone? What? They don't return your message. They don't return your call. Is that the worst thing that could happen to you? Um, So that's what I would ask your listeners to reel in their mind. What's the worst case scenario? Probably nothing that you cannot overcome, right? And so Mm. you just never know. You've got to keep knocking on those doors or flying through those windows that open and just, you know, learning, being a learner every single day and looking for those signals in your environment. Absolutely. Great message. And for the DeBruce Foundation itself, I know you gave kind of like a big picture of how you help people level up and, and find new opportunities and take the next step in their careers. But on a micro level, can you give us a little bit more about the different services and the different ways that you help those folks? Yes, with a mission and vision to expand career pathways to economic growth and opportunity, we really believe in innovating towards expanding career opportunities. So we have developed and provide at no cost to users tools and resources that help people on that career journey when they're either choosing careers or changing careers. So from the first time that you're prepping and trying to figure out what you're gonna do, all the way through the many changes that you might make on your career journey. We believe that each person, Ryan, has skills and interests that bring value into the workforce. And we hear all the time companies talk about needing that talent pipeline. And so we want to help individuals recognize their value proposition in that career marketplace, because we know that we can help them achieve greater income stability and an upward career trajectory. So in this rapidly changing economy, it is just imperative that people develop what we call career literacy to make informed career decisions about their career paths. And that's where we have fully funded online resources that individuals can use, whether they are the person who's trying to choose or change careers, or they're someone who's helping. So they could be in schools, they could be in colleges and universities, they could be at workforce centers. We work with state departments across the nation um, and others to help get these tools into the hands of individuals and those who are serving them as they're choosing and changing careers. I love that. I love the career literacy. I hadn't heard that term before, but It makes a lot of sense, especially when folks nowadays have five, six, seven careers in their lifetime. You know, it's not like 50 years ago when you had one job and you worked for 35 years and then you retired. Times have changed. And, you know, something you you spoke about there just sparked in, in my mind as you were talking. You know, there's a lot of folks out there who have a tremendous amount of skills, 
but they might not know that they have them or they might not view it as an actual asset, whereas an organization would. How, how does the DeBruce Foundation help surface those and, and help those come to fruition? Well, I would like to reiterate what you just mentioned, Ryan, which is we know that people are now going to have seven to maybe 12 careers across their, their lifetime, maybe even more. I mean, if we look out 10 to 15 years from now, we don't even know what many of the jobs are going to be, what their titles will be or True. what they will be. So, you know, you and I have had conversations previously about how important it is to stay in that growth mindset. And so the tools that we provide at agilities.org, again, they're all fully funded and an individual just can go online and take, we have an agile work profiler. It takes about 15 minutes to take this career assessment, but at the end of it, the individual will have increased confidence and they will have actual assets to use on um, improving their LinkedIn, even ramping up their resume, even having some good talking points and the career explorer tools that we have will help you maybe even see jobs in industries or job titles that you've never thought about before, but that you have these work activities that we call agilities. We call these agilities like what you like to do and what you do well. This assessment will help mm. you identify those and will also help you see careers where those are used more often than they are used in other careers. Sometimes too, we need to develop certain agilities. So like, I want to get better at managing so I can have that next job. I want to get better at selling and communicating so I can try this other new opportunity. And we believe fully that people can and do grow those through experiences. So that's what we're trying to help people kind of unveil, uncover those about themselves that sometimes we're so close to the work ourselves that we don't even see that those are huge values that we bring into the career marketplace. Yeah. As you're speaking, I'm envisioning a Venn diagram where we have things you're good at and things that people will pay you for that's a value and things you enjoy doing and trying to find the center of all those. That's exactly right. And what our research shows, as well as other research out in the nation shows, is it's really important for the individual to know their interests and their skill sets. And it's really important that they have a network that also helps them see into the career marketplace, into industries, into opportunities that they might not otherwise know are out there. So I think, but you know, if I can't start by expressing myself, what I do well and what I like to do, it's really hard for even someone in my network to connect me or to think about me in terms of something that they might see in their industry or in, you know, their connections and their network. When somebody's looking for a person who does this well, I need to have been able to express that that I do that well and that I like to do that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I imagine that there are plenty of folks out there that who don't actually have it nailed down or firm understanding of where their interests are and types of, of work that they would actually enjoy doing. Yeah, I mean, our research shows that the vast majority of people are not employment empowered. Employment empowered individuals are people who have high career literacy and high network strength. Okay. But we're talking about only about 
three or four people out of 10 in the economy have that. So many of us are low on either career literacy, knowing about ourselves, having a vision, knowing that career marketplace, or low on that network strength. And it's really the combination of those two things that empower us as individuals who are looking in this career marketplace now. And so that's what we want to build in individuals. And that's where we get so excited as a foundation is that we can grow and develop those. There's a lot of things that we can't change out in the system, Mm -hmm. but we can improve individuals' career literacy and we can improve network strength, right? And, And people can be empowered to do that so that they can kind of manage through this dynamic economy. Yeah, absolutely. And the other variable that I think is extremely important is the career marketplace. I mean, you mentioned this earlier, but there's jobs out now that 10 years ago, no one would have thought would have been a job. And five years from now, there'll be a hundred more jobs that people never thought of. So yeah, so I I love that the DeBruce is, is trying to give people tools and empower them, as you say, to capitalize on whatever the future market is. And what we've seen is it's really important to do the, like to use some of the tools, the agile work profiler that we have, it's really important. It's built to be a tool to use more than once in your lifetime, because we see even with students who do five weeks internships, they actually have shifts and changes in what they like to do and what they do well. They have shifts and changes in the growth of their network strength. They have shifts and changes in their career literacy and understanding what their own strengths and interests are and having visions. So just even in a five-week experience, we already see that with young people, um, but we see that even with individuals who are trying to change their careers. And, you know, maybe if you haven't been working for six weeks or six months, you need a boost of energy that like you do have value in this marketplace. And so we've seen it with workforce centers where individuals have even, you know, in 15 minutes after an assessment said, wait a minute, I've got new ideas now for my LinkedIn profile and my resume and having that confidence that they really do bring value. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of people out there who don't understand or they don't realize what a day-to-day might be like in a certain role. So they just write themselves off yeah. and say, oh, that's not for me. Or, And I, I find myself working in higher education, a lot of the students that are transitioning into their internships, into their co-ops, into the, the workforce, they don't know what they're getting into more than half the time. No. Like, yeah, they have no clue what, what a meeting is going to be like in a professional setting and what the team they're working with, how that dynamic's going to unfold. And so there's so many unknowns and it's, it's amazing how many people will make a decision. I will like this, or I won't like this, or I'm, I will be good at this. I won't be good at this before they even step foot into the, the job. Well, and Brian, that reminds me of of something that we're doing right now in our organization. Um, We're doing self-reflections because we really believe in being reflective practitioners, reflective professionals. And so way back when I was in college, I had a phenomenal professor who, you know, taught us about the work of doing self-reflection. So just Stopping. I mean, so many times we're so busy doing the task at hand and then moving on to the next thing. And we might do a little bit of celebrating, but how many times do we stop and write about what worked well and then write about the lessons or the challenges that we had at that point in time and write about it in the moment? Um, because that 
being a, a self doing that self reflection. First of all, we need to celebrate our own individual contributions, right. To the work of the team. That is super important for us to do. Um, But it's also important to recognize that we're going to make mistakes along the way. We're going to hit challenges and we are going to learn when we write about those learnings in real time. When we go back and look at those five months later, five years later, we'll be we will be able to see ourselves as learners. We will be able to see that we do have a growth mindset. And I think at the end of the day, that is what we really need to be cultivating in individuals is that growth mindset so that they can tackle all of these changes that are coming. That's the only way you're going to be able to keep up with it, right? So that kind of self-reflection, we've seen it. Our interns have done self-reflections. They've only been with us with us for like four months and five months, and they are reflecting on the things that they've learned and that they've done in that short period of time, both in terms of how they've made contributions to the overall organization's goals, but also how they basically poured into their own bucket and have others pouring into them. So they're learning and growing and changing. Yeah, for sure. I I can only imagine. I'm I'm sure they have a plethora of experiences with the DeBruce Foundation that they would not have had otherwise. And they're just every day they're learning new things about the world and about themselves at the same time. And I would say that for those of you who are listeners who have the opportunity to provide internships or externships or any kinds of experiences, even in your volunteer life, when you can offer opportunities for others to learn in your organization or by working with you or alongside of you, please do that. Some recent research that well, we've been conducting this research for the last six years, and in particular with 14 to 24-year-olds in our American economy, one of the things that they cite as the most difficult thing for them to do is to get that first opportunity. And so these kinds of learning experiences help them get that first opportunity. But we who are in positions to provide that first opportunity and then to help them launch to the second and the third opportunity, we really have a responsibility in this dynamic economy to do that and to invest in others. I mean, I know that's That's the only way I sit where I am today is because people invested in me, mentored me, coached me. Sometimes I got paid for those experiences. Sometimes I didn't get paid for those experiences, but we have an obligation to do that. And that is what our 14 to 24 year olds in this nation are saying. It's one of the hardest things for them to get. Mm -hmm. I mean, as the world changes, I can see that. I can imagine that 100%. And the folks who come to you or through the DeBruce Foundation and they're looking for a brighter future, they want to change their lifestyle, they want to kind of build their own life. And maybe they've had a goal Mm -hmm. before in a career and they're wondering, should they stay on that path and pursue that goal? Or is there maybe something else that they should pivot to? Have you ever had these uh, situations come through or am I just, is this hypothetical? Oh, no. Those kinds of situations come through right? All the time. And one of the things that um, we advise folks who are like agilities coaches, we train people to be agilities coaches. Um, And again, anyone who's working in these, we advise them to help individuals recognize that 
you are building skills right now. You are building skills when you're in an educational setting. You are building skills when at whatever job you're working. You're building skills when you're volunteering, when you're caretaking. Anything that you are doing, you are building skills. Heck, even with individuals who are justice involved, there are opportunities where they are building skills. And it might be that you're so busy doing that work that you just don't notice that you are building those skills and the skills that you have gained. Because again, you were too busy doing the work, but you are gaining those skills. And we want you to, to lean into that. And we want to give you language, like help translate how those skills that you've been building, um, what you do well and, 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 and what you like to do actually can be pivoted into other opportunities. And to your point, I think a lot of times people hit this point in their career journey of, okay, do I just have to have one goal and I just drive towards that the whole way? Or should I open myself up to those opportunities? Just yesterday, I had a two o'clock phone call with an individual who I met when she was in college and we had a really informal kind of mentoring experiences. She remembered that she was interviewing for her first like real job. And she said, do you remember that you spent an hour with me on the phone going over what they might ask and kind of doing a role playing of this and practicing that? And I said, well, I do remember that. And she goes, okay. She goes, everything that I've experienced from teachers and coaches at the University of Missouri, Columbia, we both went to Mizzou. Um, she said, who said to me, oh, you thought you wanted to do biology, but actually you're kind of interested in anthropology and how this plays out in people and in communities. And so now she is on this trajectory. She has written a book. She is on a trajectory to help create a community. Um, around women and women's health issues because of what has happened across time in that. But she really pointed out yesterday and reminded me how important it is just when we have those small opportunities to engage with people and to say, oh, I see that you're interested in this and you started on this path, but I also hear that you are interested in this bigger context. You know, you're interested in how that might affect community or you're interested in how that might affect women's issues or you're interested in how something that you've learned in your own industry plays out in another industry. And we need people around us. Sometimes it's like a like a personal board of advisors. We need people around us to help point those things out. So I would always say to people, have a vision. Um, she had a vision of where she wanted to go. Now, because she has been open to listening to what people have even reflected back to her, she has wound up in another place where she's super excited about it. But she stayed open and she's listened and learned along the way and not been afraid to also take feedback and input from others who saw things in her that maybe she was having a hard time recognizing and seeing in herself. Yeah, I love that. The personal board of advisors. I love that. That's another great term. Well, and she was, okay, so think about this. She is 12 years out of college and she was yesterday afternoon. It was her birthday. <laughs> and she said, you know what I like to, I know, I, th I said, you're doing this on your birthday? And she goes, yeah. She goes, because on my birthday, it's a day to think about me. It's a day to think about where I'm going okay. next. Okay. And so she was checking in with 
those of us who had been impactful across her career. And, and that is the other thing for our listeners to hear is that you don't have to talk to these, this personal board of advisors every single day, right? You could go five years or six years without talking with them, but they will remember who you are. And nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, when you reach back out to someone on LinkedIn, she recognized something that I had done on LinkedIn and she was congratulating me a few months ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, how are you? I'm so excited to hear about what's going on in your life. So just even, and this morning I was texting with another individual who I have probably haven't talked to for six months or so, but she had taken on a new job. I was like, so how's that new job going? So just quick little text messages like that, quick little LinkedIn messages like that, just updating somebody who's given you good advice along the way as to what you're doing now, just gets them excited about continuing to be engaged and being a part of your personal board of advisors who you can reach out to. Yeah. I know the personal board of advisors, as you're speaking, I mean, I think I was asking myself this when we spoke earlier, I'm like, I wonder if I have one. And after I started thinking about it, oh. I thought, yeah, I, I guess I do. I have a few, I would call them confidants or, you know, friends that I reach mm-hmm. out to and I, I trust their opinion. And sometimes they can see things that we overlook, right? Because we're in it every day. Very much so. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And, you know, we were even talking a little bit about with, with one of my um, individuals who I feel like, and the other thing is they may consider me to be on their personal board advisors, but I consider them to be on my personal board advisors, right? Like age has no bounds here. Like I learn just as much from the 20 somethings and the 30 somethings and the, and the teens that, you know, that reach out to me for mentoring opportunities. I probably learn selfishly more from them than they learn from me, <laughs> you know, but a little story that we were doing the other day is had applied to some graduate programs, had gotten waitlisted on one, COVID came, you know, some other kinds of things happened, um, then applied, chose to the next year, only applied to one, thinking, oh, I'm a shoe in, I'm going to get it, it's going to happen. Complete failure, didn't get it. Hmm. So turned back around and with that growth mindset, right? I mean, this is like working out at the gym. This is like yoga. This is like, we have to learn lessons along the way came back and applying for 14 graduate positions at this point in time, 14 graduate programs saying, okay, I learned my lesson. I thought, okay, two or three, I get waitlisted. I get this, I get that. Eh, Okay. I'll just do one. And I'm having all these great interactions with this institution. It's going to happen for me. Don't get it. Come back around. Okay. Guess what? I'm going back in hard. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to lay down. Nope. I'm going back in with a new game plan. I'm going after 14 of these. And you and I talked a little bit too about where changes have happened in my own career. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's at really difficult times. I had some teenagers one time tell me, could you guys just not tell us about all the good things that happened in your life? Could you tell us about something that was really hard and really challenging? And I was in an organization one time that basically just cleaned the table, said, "Ah, we're starting over. We're doing all new things, new leader. Yeah. And so people were told your job, your job title doesn't exist anymore. Your department, that's not going to exist anymore. Things like that. It was really hard, Ryan, to go through that situation. It was really hard 
to lead people and support people and be a servant leader to people through that time period. But it came back to, could we help individuals see their opportunities, the ways that they could pivot into new places. And I'm so grateful, you know, that I had people at that point in time that believed in me. And I had a network that said, I saw this opportunity. You should go for this. I saw this opportunity. You should go for that. I was still going to have a role and a job in that organization, but it was a question of, do I want to stay in an organization that's doing this at this point in time? I was like, I, nah, maybe not, maybe not. (laughs) And so other doors and opportunities presented themselves, but we, I'll tell you what we did. We all banded together and we said, I just saw this job. Are you going for it? Great. And we would even say like, let's all three go for that. Or let's, you know, we were not afraid to even go for jobs together and help each other in that process. Because, I mean, if I had to give advice to anyone about probably something I didn't know earlier in my career, but I really learned through that difficult time is there's enough out there for everyone. You don't have to step on anybody else to get ahead in this career. So if you will pour your energy into helping those around you be the best that they can be, find the opportunities, expand their career opportunities, that will come back to you tenfold and it will happen for you too. Wow, that's a great message. And again, it's like a Disney movie where everyone just helps each other succeed (laughs) and happily ever after, I hope. Well, happily ever after, sure, but... It wasn't the happily ever after that maybe any of us had expected, right, Ryan? Like we were all in a great organization with an awesome culture and we just expected to just the happily ever after to be, to remain status quo. Yeah, yeah. And what we had to learn in that situation is hmm, God's going to prevent you, present you with some opportunities for growth. And I mean, What's that old saying in like working out, like no pain, no gain. And (laughs) I don't always like the pain that I either have to go through myself professionally, or I have to see others go through professionally. But I also, even as we went through that time period, I kept, I kept asking myself and just really, I'm, I mean, I, I really believe that our heavenly father guides our pathways. And I kept saying, what is the lesson that you want me to learn here? What are, what are we trying to learn here? And there were, there were lots of lessons learned. And one was, you know, to show grace throughout experiences like this and to not think that because somebody has lost their job, they did something wrong. Nope. Organizations just change and, and people's lives change and their career trajectories change because organizations change, you know, and so give grace in those experiences and recognize that there's probably been some really deep learning that has occurred mm-hmm. for that individual and for that organization in that time. And then the second piece is, is to really be about lifting others up and helping others across time periods like that, because that that's what makes us stronger as a community. And to that end, I had the good fortune of having had parents who taught me to never burn a bridge. So as rough as that was, a lot of advice that I kept giving. And one thing that I live by is be a class act, do your job to the best of your experience, even as we're going through the situation right now and don't burn a bridge. 
you don't have to talk negatively about that. You can actually help the others that are coming along behind you in that organization. And you can keep good connections so that in the next place that you go, you still have that network and those good connections back to that, right? Because I mean, who wants to hire someone who talks negatively about the organization where they last were? Exactly. I mean, you know, if I'm, if I'm interviewing somebody and I hear all that, what I then am wondering is, well, if, if I ever part ways or our organization parts ways with them, what will they say about my organization? Right. So there's always the truth works, right? Just tell the truth about what happened. People understand that organizations change and people change and go forward with that positive viewpoint and taking what you've learned from those changes. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that that's so true. That's exactly what I think as well when folks are complaining about a past experience or a past, let's say, unfortunate circumstance they were in. And I think, okay, well, is this is this what's going to happen going forward as well? It's kind of like a preview, right? And right. to your first point that you mentioned, I, as a coach, I've run into that so many times, so many high performers are very outcome oriented. And if they don't get the outcome that they wanted, they view it instantly as they must have failed, right? All the time. And it's, it's really tough for some folks who, especially who have achieved a lot to, to break down yes. that and say, sometimes things like the cookie crumbles, right? The chips fall where they may. And yes. companies restructuring, nothing you did wrong, but this is just how it shook out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, look at that as, okay, well then this is my opportunity to do something new. I have, mm-hmm. you know, we have a person in our family right now who their company went through a riff and that person has you know, just like, okay, I've got to find like the next big opportunity. But in the meantime, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get do in and kind of leverage this gig economy because I'm good at this and I can go work here and I can do get a little bit of money from this job and I can get a little money from this job and I can get a little money from this job. And I have seen people all across their um, lifespan and their professional careers do that and have then those opportunities basically either launch them into a network that gives them the next big, you know, career opportunity that they want to have or launches them into starting their own business because they realize, oh no, not only do I like, I'm like really good at this and I can actually, somebody will pay me to do this. Somebody (laughs) will pay me enough to do this, to have it be a business. Um, Or just they fill a gap on their resume and they grow and develop those agilities. Again, those work activities that are used in every job in the economy by way of doing those gigs and piecing something together. They are continuing to grow and develop as a professional and they can rally that into resume and talking points and interviews that help them. Because it's like, well, I said to this individual in our family, I said, because you're a hustler. And at the end of the day, somebody is going to want to hire somebody who will hustle. You know, if I mean, he's interested in sales. Well, you got to be a hustler in sales. So if you're a hustler at the point in time that you don't have a job and you go hustle up and find three different ways to have an income coming in during that time. Hey, listen, that makes you pretty dang attractive to an employer who needs somebody to get out there and get accounts and, and hustle to get the job done and selling and communicating. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice, as expected. 
right? From the the coach, the mentor, the professor, the I'm giving you all the the hats here. Well, hey, listen, that's only because lots of people have been that in my life, Ryan. So that's a, a an applause of all the people who've been on my career journey. Fair enough. Fair enough. I know you're very humble. I do have one question I've been saving for the end here. And I know we mentioned yeah. a couple times you spoke about the growth mindset and and we spoke earlier, both very big uh, believers and uh, encouragers, endorsers mm-hmm. of the growth mindset. But can you tell us a little bit about how that parlays or leads into the confidence and how the confidence really that, that you help folks through the DeBruce Foundation achieve gets them off the ground and gets them to the next step in their journey. Yeah. So um, starting in that, that space of um, growth mindset, um, we have a lot of signals in the world that say to us that you are who you are. You cannot change. I mean, it starts happening actually when we're, maybe not even knowing that we're doing it as parents with our kids, right? Or not even knowing that we're doing it with teachers as kids. And we send messages like, oh, you're really good at math. That means, you know, that you'll be good at math forever. Or you're really not good at sports. So that means you'll you'll never be good at sports. Like, I mean, can I tell you the number of people who never played a high school sport who I now know who love pickleball and they're like (laughs) rocking it on the pickleball court, you know? And so, um, First of all, we have a lot of signals that um, that maybe we should be in a fixed mindset. But, you know, Carol Dweck talks about this, as do many others, this importance of growth mindset. We really are human beings interacting with our environment every single day. And we are always growing and changing. Even our bodies are growing and changing, right? Our minds are growing and changing too. And so pouring into that, and being open to those learnings, it takes a certain level of confidence. That second piece that you talked about, like, well, where does that play with confidence? Well, Mm. if I've been told that I'm only good at certain things and that I can't grow and change, I need a booster shot of confidence. And, And that's where, like, even our tool, the Agile Work Profiler, just by taking that tool, we have seen individuals report a higher confidence level because it it stops and it makes you reflect on the things that you do like to do and that you are good at doing, right? It's right at that intersection. And just making you stop for 15 minutes and reflect on that and then have somebody outside of yourself give you, and now this is, this is evidence-based This is an evidence-based assessment and instrument. This is not something that like you can pick up and, you know, take out of a magazine or off of a web. This is evidence-based research of these are work activities used in every single job in the economy. So boosting your confidence that, hey, somebody pays individuals to do these things. Oh, and here's the kinds of jobs where you can find these things used to a greater degree or to a lesser degree winds me back around to, oh, well, that's one of the jobs I might want to have. Or let me go out here and just play around and look at other jobs I haven't ever thought about and giving me the confidence to then do a job search that goes in that direction. Or maybe it gives me the confidence to say, oh, I want to get better at that particular work activity that's used in these jobs. Let me go get some volunteer experiences, um, something at my church, something with my family, or something that somebody will pay me to do. 
so that I can get better at that agility and then kind of bring that back into my confidence building, but also the skill set that I can talk about with others when I'm interviewing and trying to get the next job. So hopefully I took us across that circle of growth mindset to self-confidence and how that feeds into our strengths and our interests and developing those so that we can drive that back into being, again, more about a growth mindset and building more confidence. No, you did a great job. I know I asked you to do a little bit of uh, vocal gymnastics there, but you were able to to pull it off and stuck the landing. So I, I had full Good. confidence that you could speak about the confidence. No, but in all honesty, I, I it's a question I've been posed a couple times of growth mindset. Inherently, you have to accept that you have room to grow, that you can improve. And some folks, when they, it's tough for them to look at that and say like, oof, I know I could get better at this or I could be that. So it sometimes, I mean, at first can take a little bit of hit to one's confidence. But I always found that those who are willing to try and, and they see how actual easy it is to start to improve, then the comp, the sky's the limit, right? Then the confidence comes because then they can believe all, they believe all of a sudden that anything is possible. Well, and Ryan, have you also seen this either in the individuals that you're coaching and developing or in yourself and experiences is if we keep in mind, think big, but start small. And so those of us who are providing these experiences, we want for individuals to have early success, early wins, right? Don't, don't try to lose 40 pounds, you know, (laughs) start with, I'm going to change one thing about my eating habits this week, you know, that will drive towards longer habits in that. And so, you know, helping people and being okay yourself with those small wins, like, oh my gosh, I never thought I could have picked up the phone and called somebody that I didn't know, or I never thought I could have reached out on LinkedIn to three people who are in my network and say, hey, have you seen any good opportunities or would you be willing to do a little informative um, interview with me and informational interview with me and tell me about how you got to where your career is? Like start small um, with something. And I would say start small. Just go take this agile work profiler. Just go take an assessment on your own by yourself. Count that as one signal of growth mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Action leads to motivation, right? Just take that first step. Yes. And then, so I know we're coming up yes. on time here and and thank you again so much, Dr. Knight for, for coming on. Mm-hmm. But the, the last question, I kind of want to give you the last word here slash last question. I always ask if we could turn back the clock and you could talk to your 21, 22 year old self just out of college or just transitioning into their career and you could give yourself one message, what would that be? My message would be to lean into all of the mentors and all of those who can help you on this career journey. They really do make a difference. I mean, I really believe that that has made a difference for me personally. And we see it in our research that network strength is important. They are the ones who help us recognize our skills and our interests and develop those so that we have that career literacy and we can see that career marketplace. And then be willing, even when you are in your teens, 20s, 30s, be willing to also pour into the development of others. So again, like I said earlier, 
I probably have gotten more from those who I've technically been the mentor and they've been the mentee. I've probably gotten as much or more from those who um, have mentored me um, across all aspects of that lifespan. And I would just say, do that and be a reflective practitioner and professional as you are so that you're, you are leaning into your growth mindset and your capability to expand your own career pathways, expand your pathways in leadership and volunteerism and all the things that make um, our world a better place for all of us. I love it. I love the ending. I, before you said that last part, I was like, wow, it's like we share a brain, but then you, you took it to another level. And, <laughs> but no, I, I always say that too. I say, you know, whatever situation you find yourself in, think about what can I learn from this? What can I take from this? How can I improve from this? And because there's so many folks out there who don't, and I think they're leaving a lot of knowledge, a lot of potential on the table if, if you go through life ignoring those things. But yes, Dr. Leanne Taylor-Knight with us today. Thank you again so much for coming on. And I'm sure our listeners are going to love this. It's been a great episode. So yeah, thank you again for your time. Thank you, Ryan. And to our listeners out there, we wish you success in your future endeavors.